Thank you guys so much, worship team. We appreciate it. Can we, can we get a hand for our worship team this morning? Thank you guys so much. Wonderful job. And uh, Nain, I love you on the guitar, man. My goodness, so good. All right, teenagers, if you are here and you'd like to be a part of today's class for the teens, please go ahead and be dismissed. You can go on back and be involved in that. And by the way, if you have gray hair, you can't pass as a teenager. You know they're going to have more fun than you are, but don't try to pull that one on me, all right? I'm seeing you guys. All right, so if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn with me, if you have it on your phone and you want to kind of look that up, it's Matthew chapter 9. I'm literally just going to read about four verses is all that I'm going to be reading, and then we'll do some of the uh, things off of the, the, the big screen here in just a few moments. So Matthew chapter 9 beginning in verse 9, and you guys can go ahead and find your spots. This morning, we are going back to where we were last week. This is our second week in a brand new teaching series called Empty, Empty Things, Empty Places, and Empty People. And uh, I don't know about you, but maybe for me personally, one of the images that stood out and was maybe the most impactful in my own life was seeing the 59 Southwest Freeway headed towards the, um, the South Loop, Loop 610. Uh, do you guys remember seeing that picture during the pandemic where literally, you know, you can't go through there at any time of day or night or weekend or anything without seeing a ton of cars. And then they showed the Transtar video of the Southwest Freeway just to show you how few people were actually moving at the very, very beginning of the pandemic. And it is so interesting and so kind of crazy to think about the empty buildings in the downtown area that people were not allowed to come to their offices anymore. And so in the process of that, these huge, tall, 30, 40-story buildings just standing there empty for weeks and even months on end. It just reminds us that those things that are sometimes full at a certain point in time in our life can make us very full at that moment, but there is also a time and a season in every one of our lives and every thing that goes on in our world where emptiness does come. And the question is, how do you make it through the emptiness? Well, today, I don't know if you've been doing it. I know some of you have. I've been hearing from some of you in your responses that you guys are watching The Chosen on video and kind of following along with that. I'm seeing a few head nods, and if you guys are, kind of give me the head shake and let me know that you're doing that. If you haven't done it yet, it's available on Amazon Prime. You got, okay, I see one of you is like, yes, absolutely. And I got to say, I'm late, I'm tardy to the party, right? I came late here. Uh, I just now started watching this whenever I challenged you guys to join during the season of Lent. And how many of you guys know that you cannot commit that adulterous relationship of having a, a, a movie or a TV show that you watch without your spouse once you start that? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's called, it's called uh, uh, binge cheating, I think is what it's called. You can't binge watch a show without your spouse if you start with them, right? You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right, some of y'all are smiling. All right, anyway, but yes, so it's harder for me and Shelly to find time than we both sit down, but we've decided we're binging that show together. We're not going to do that without one another, right? We're not. Okay, very good. And so we're watching the show. We're three episodes in. How many of you guys are further than three episodes or seen more than three episodes in? You've already watched it all. You've, you literally binged it all. Okay, very good. And I saw, I saw a couple of you shaking your head. Well, I know this. Here's what I know. It's not hard to do this for Lent. I mean, I'm not even asking you guys to fast and do, do those kinds of things. I'm asking you to put in a little bit extra time, but it's great and it's so enjoyable. But it also, I don't know if you guys have had this experience, as a guy who's literally taken the Bible pretty seriously ever since I was about, um, I'm going to say about 19 years old, and now I'm not 19 years old anymore. Uh, you know, as a guy who's taking the Bible pretty seriously, I love seeing this stuff because it puts new spins and new pictures in my head whenever I see them. And today I'm going to talk about another man who plays pretty prominently in these first three. And this is the story of Matthew being called and called to follow Jesus. We're going to read this. And don't, now, now listen, if some of you have binged it and watched it all, don't ruin it for me. Don't come up and go, oh, you should see episode so-and-so when he does so-and-so. Don't do that to me. Nobody likes that, all right? So don't do that kind of stuff. But keep going, and it's not too late to jump in. 
This is the calling of Matthew. For Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 13, it's just those four verses, but if you have it in your Bibles, if you have it on your phones or tablets or whatever, let's read this together. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. Just like Peter last week. You remember the story of Peter? He left his nets, he left his boat, he got up and followed Christ whenever he said, follow me. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I'm going to say that one more time. I love it. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Amen. And so go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's from Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And some versions say, but the sinners to repentance. Can we say our scripture declaration from memory? I hope you can. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. So very quickly, what I would like to do is go back to what we just read. If we could go back one slide here. As we see Jesus, he sees the man, Matthew, that we know later on to be the author of this book that is actually telling the story of him being called to leave his place behind, his place of business, this tax collecting business, and getting up and following him. And then it says that basically when Matthew does this, he decides he's going to have a dinner because he's leaving one way of life and he doesn't know where following Jesus is actually going to take him. And so he's saying goodbye to a lot of people, but these are not the notoriously religious people. These are not the people that you would look at and go, oh, they're the good, they're the cream of the crop, they're society's best. It's none of that stuff at all. As a matter of fact, it's very much the opposite of that. These people that show up at Matthew's house are the people that the religious leaders are keeping at a distance. And if you go back and you look at the chosen, Matthew is there in that story. And as he kind of walks and does his thing, you know that he's kind of portrayed as a guy who's very quiet, very fastidious, very you know, proper in his numbers as well as his dress and all of these different things. He's just a different kind of guy. How many of you guys know an accountant like that? I mean, very buttoned up, you know, very proper, maybe even got a pocket protector that's got you know, rubber on it somewhere or something like that, right? That's how he's portrayed. But it is so powerful, and I think we miss it And sometimes God's word is so powerful that you just have to slow down just a little bit and go, did you see that? Did you hear that? Did you catch that? Because this is really important. And I want to go to our next couple of slides. Let's go to our something to learn. I've got a couple of somethings to learn, but this is the first one. Matthew and other tax collectors paid up front the cost of taxes in their area. Then they charged the fees that they themselves set for the people that they taxed. And tax collectors were hated because of taxes. And everybody, I mean, is there anybody in here who just loves paying their taxes? Anyone in here at all? Okay, no, none of us, right? We, we, it's a necessary evil, but they didn't love Matthew being the guy who said, hey, pay that money. Plus, the profession itself was famously corrupt. And so Matthew is already behind. He's got money that he already paid off when Jesus walks by and says, leave what you're doing and come and follow me. You guys understand what I'm saying? He's not there to collect the taxes. He's out the money that was already in his pocket that he gave out. You guys know how reimbursements work, right? It's like having an expense report that you just don't turn in. And it's actually even different. It's an expense report that you overcharge people. And they're going to pay you and then some and then some and then some. And you walk away from that. You're walking away from a lot. You guys with me? Y'all give me a thumbs up. Say got it. Say amen. You guys are with me. Okay. Right, so as Matthew stands up, we're reminded that this is out of nowhere. As best we can tell, Jesus just walks by. It's almost, it, if you'll allow me, I, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's different in the, in the thing that we're watching together. But in my mind's eye, it's like Jesus is just walking through this small town. And he sees Matthew and he says, you, come and follow me. And he just keeps walking and Matthew just stands up and says, I'm leaving all of this behind. 
I'm going to say goodbye to my friends, but then I'm leaving tomorrow, and I'm going to be gone. And everything in Matthew's life changes the minute that he stands up from that chair and walks from behind that desk. He is no longer a tax collector. He is now, from this point forward, a disciple, and his life changes dramatically. And so don't miss the power of it. It's like you having Jesus walk by, point at you and say, leave this job behind. I know you got bills. I know you're behind on your bills, but I'm telling you, don't miss this. Follow me. And you and I just standing up from our desk and saying, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever he leads and walking out the door. That's, I don't know if you really put yourself in that situation, but if you did, you probably felt that, you know, that, that feeling in the pit of your stomach where when you do something that you don't know where the safety net is, you're like, uh-oh, I've made a choice and it's hard to come back from. That's what Matthew did and he never regretted it. So let's keep going here and I wanna just share with you, how many of you guys have seen this image? I don't know, let's go to our next slide. This is Matthew in The Chosen and this is the man who is assigned to him because you see, People hated him so much for choosing this profession. In so many ways, they hated him. But they would not pay their taxes except for the Roman soldier being there and saying, no, you will pay the taxes. And so he gets the money back. It's like he was basically rolling with an armed security guard at all times because of how hated he was and how much people did not want to pay those taxes back. If you've seen the story, you know that there's animosity between the Romans and the Jews. They don't like each other. The Jews hate the Romans and the Romans hate the Jews, but they have to work together to get the taxes for Caesar and they don't stop. Now, very quickly, I want to share a couple of verses not verses, excuse me. I want to share a couple of lines from this book. It's called 12 Ordinary Men. And it is a really good book. It goes into how Jesus called different men and all of these people that followed him as his disciples. And I want you to listen. It, it maybe will help to illuminate it. It's very interesting. Tax collectors were hated and vilified by all of Jewish society. They were deemed lower than the Herodians, who were Jews loyal to the Edomian uh, dynasty of the Herods. And they were worthy of more scorn than the occupying Roman soldiers themselves. Tax collectors were men who had bought tax franchises from the Roman emperor and then extorted money from the people of Israel to feed the Roman coffers and to pad their own pockets. You guys hear the corruption. They were often strong-arming uh, strong money out of the people with the use of thugs. Most were despicable, vile, unprincipled, and scoundrels. And as a matter of fact, as a tax collector, tax collectors were on the same level socially as a harlot. For a Jewish man, like Matthew to be a tax collector was considered even worse than being a harlot. His occupation made him a traitor to the nation, a social pariah, the rankest of the rank, and he would have been a religious outcast that was forbidden to enter any synagogue. In other words, if you were a tax collector, people in, the, in your area had no use for you. You couldn't even enter into the synagogue and worship God because you were beyond God's grace and God's mercy in their mind. Everybody with me? And this is who Jesus chooses. This is the man that Jesus chooses. And there's a great scene in that, in that uh, The Chosen where they are celebrating Shabbat. It is actually in the second, um, in the second episode. And he comes with food. And Matthew goes and he peers into his old home where his family is gathering. And he's sitting there holding a meal to eat with them. And then he remembers who he is. And he walks away with the food that he brought and leaves his family to celebrate without him. And he remains the outcast. I don't know if some of you guys have seen that from that second episode. It is powerful. And then he goes and he sits down and he begins to eat out in the streets with the, the bowl that he's brought and he's feeding some to the dog. It's, it's, an incredible, it's an incredible thing because it reminds us of how people viewed Matthew. But this is the one that Jesus chose. So don't miss this. I want you to not miss this thing. The out of nowhere call and the out of nowhere acceptance 
of Matthew reminds us that Jesus' life-changing power is real. It also reminds us that Jesus didn't care who would and who wouldn't be accepted. He didn't go, I'm going to choose the people that everybody's going to feel 100% comfortable following as a leader in the book. You know, I'm going I'm to find out who this person would be, who the top guy would be, and I'm going to choose them. He chose the lowest of the low, and he said, you follow me, and I will make you something and someone very, very different than you've ever been. Now, I slowed down there, and I hope you're listening, because in your life and in mine, we never need to tell ourselves what we used to be matters more than what we can be and how God sees us for what we ought to be. You guys see what I'm saying? Because no matter what you've done in your past, it does not disqualify you from not only being a part of God's family, but also being a leader in God's family. He is calling Matthew, this hated person, and he's saying, no, no, you be a part of this family. It is a powerful, powerful thing. Now let's go to our next something to learn and this is something that we talk about how we can fill up on these things. We talk about the billfold, the bedroom, and the ball field, and those ways of measuring success. We talk about somebody who's trying to fill up their hole and the emptiness that's going on in their heart, that hole in your heart that filled it with knowledge or intellect, popularity, a, a following, all of these different things, even down at the bottom. Even if you just say, there's a hole in my heart and I'm filling it with an escape, a distraction or a diversion, you know that ultimately those things which were once full, just like those downtown skyscrapers, they eventually become once again empty. And that is why we're talking about this and how Jesus calls people from emptiness into fullness of life. Now very quickly, if we can backtrack one from there, let's go back to that something to learn, if you don't mind. Um, is it slide number nine? Maybe it's slide number nine. I'm not sure. Um, if it's not, we'll keep going. It's no problem. Okay. I'll tell you what. Let's keep moving. Not there. <laughs> it's all good. Let's go ahead and go then, if you don't mind, to the calling of Matthew in Mark chapter 2. And let's just look at this as we go on to Mark chapter 2. Um, i tell you what. Uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Sorry about that. I can, I can never say that it's going to go over perfect like from one computer to the next. So in Mark chapter 2, this is the same story that we hear. Mark chapter 2, verse 14 through 15. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And then let's just see there, we see the same story being told of a man named Levi. That is because Matthew was more than likely the Jewish name and or Levi, the Jewish name, and Matthew, uh, the, the Greek name, so to speak, that he went by. And so as you see here, you see something as well. This James and Matthew might be brother. Let's go to our next slide here. And as you see this next slide, there's two sets of brothers and the disciples that Jesus chose. And Matthew could have been one of those third set of brothers. There's Simon, Peter, and Andrew, brothers. James and John, the sons of Debedee, brothers. But James, the son of Alphaeus, and Matthew, who is also called the son of Alphaeus, could have been one more set of brothers. And so we see that Matthew gets up and follows, and eventually his brother follows as well. It's very, very interesting and powerful. Now, here's what we know about our big idea, and I want us to just look at this Emptiness leaves when we forsake other choices and embrace Christ. I want to say it one more time. Emptiness leaves when we forsake other choices and we embrace Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you guys to do me a favor. Okay, sometimes I feel the energy from you guys, and I'm not going to lie. Right now, I'm worried that y'all feel like instead of it being the time that it is, you're feeling like it's the time on my watch. We're just now supposed to be starting, but 
hey, we're halfway through, so I want you guys to do me a favor. Would y'all stand to your feet real quick? Because I don't want y'all going to sleep. I know it's a little warm in here. Is it a little warm? Do y'all need it warm, a little cold? All right, well, whatever is going on, I don't want you guys to fall asleep. Y'all hang with me, and you know what I've been doing. I've been asking you guys to share the big idea with me. I'm going to say it one more time, and then I'm going to ask you guys to share it with me. Emptiness leaves when we forsake other choices and we embrace Christ. Let's say it together. Ready? Emptiness leaves when we forsake other choices and embrace Christ. Okay, you can be seated. Yes, I wasn't going to make you stand any longer, but at the same time. So here's what we've learned from Matthew and what we grasp when we look at Matthew. Let's go to our next slide. Fullness in your visible life can coexist with emptiness in your hidden or your inner life. There is a lot going on in our world that reveals the emptiness that we can sometimes feel. But most of the time on the surface, we're feeling pretty good. You know, we're looking pretty good. We sound good. We smell good. We know the right words to say. And so we keep ourselves kind of hidden away from those who wonder if we're doing okay. And by telling everyone that we are, we kind of put out this persona that keeps people at arm's distance. But here's what I know. There is a lot of emptiness going on in our world, and it's being revealed in all kinds of ways. Now, all right, so <laughs> did you guys know there is actually a resurgence of a old, old, old little Sunday school song? It's happening everywhere. People are singing it in their cars wherever they go. How many of you guys remember the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine? How many of you ever remember, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let... People are singing it in their cars everywhere they're going these days. Have you seen it? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let... All right, I had some of you laughing. All right, that's good. Hey, on a, on a short hour's worth of sleep, I appreciate the laugh, okay? It was audible. I'm happy. Very good. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It's funny, isn't it? The, the gas prices. Whoo. <laughs> a couple months ago, we weren't worried. Now we're worried. It's just crazy what's going on out there. And yes, these days, instead of just stopping just to top off the tank, we would rather give up one of our children than actually fill the tank all the way to the gas, you know, full at the gas pump. All right, but here, let's go to this next slide. When the roads were like this, did you know that the, 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 the actual gas per gallon was less than $2? During the pandemic and the height of it, and all the roads were like this, they had all kinds of gas. It was very full. And then as people started getting back on the roads, guess what happened? it became empty again. You guys see where I'm going with this? And so as we see whatever we're portraying outwardly, we gotta be very careful that we're not hiding and telling ourselves the lie that we appear to be full. And so I guess we're doing okay. It's not the way that it works. Let's go to our next slide. And by the way, the Europeans are doing their part and Texans, we're doing our part as well. You can kind of see. I mean, because this happened in my neighborhood. My next door neighbor literally has used his truck for uh, a swing for his kids. So, I mean, you're double use. It's good. It's fine. Um, so, yeah, you can either drive a European import or drive the ones from America. Uh, give me the Texas truck. Can I get an amen, right? All right. So, very good. Anyway, let's keep moving here and let's think about this. Joyce Meyer, a great ladies teacher, uh, a biblical uh, writer and author, she says, we all have two lives, an inner life and an outer life. Your inner life is your soul life, which includes your mind, your will, your emotions. Your outer life is your physical life, and God cares about every detail, but he is more concerned with your inner life than your outer life. Now, let me just ask you a quick question and see if you guys are tracking right along with what I'm trying to say and right with what I'm thinking. Whenever Jesus walks by and says, you, follow me, and he walks, and behind him, Matthew stands up, walks away from everything that he's ever known, invites everyone that he's close to, to a goodbye, farewell, I'm out of here party that night. Do you know what that reveals? 
what that reveals is, is that on his outer life, Matthew had it all together. But in his inner life, he knew that there was a gaping, aching emptiness that he couldn't fill with what he had been shooting for. You guys with me? You see what I'm saying? He doesn't get up and follow if he doesn't have that emptiness. But since he did, he immediately sensed that that man has a shot at filling me up. This is so important and so, it's so vital that we grasp this. No matter what you've pursued, no matter who or what has pursued you in the past, no matter what you've been wrapped up in, or no matter what you've given yourself to, I don't have to tell you it all ends in the same place. You and I are just like Matthew, sitting behind the table, empty on the inside, no matter how good we look on the outside. But then every now and then, we catch a glimpse of Jesus walking by, and we say, that might be the very thing that can change my life and fill up this hole in my heart. And you guys, I think most of you have been there where literally you felt that. It doesn't mean that we've always remained in that close fellowship, but when we are, we know that that is the thing that fills us in ways that we've never been filled in any other way or any other thing before. All of the empty places and things and people that we've been, it all goes away and suddenly there is fullness. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the fullest. In other words, he is the one who can fill the empty place in your heart and he and he alone. And you're like, hey, cool, man. Great, Randy, I appreciate that, but I'm already a Christian. Yeah, I get that. But can I tell you something? Man, don't play games with me. I've been a Christian since I was a kid. I mean, like a kid. And I know as well as you know that there is a difference between filling your life with Christ and his kingdom and the things of Christ versus just simply getting by. And you can do both when you're a Christian. Can I get an amen? Right, we, we do that. We've done that. Oh, oh, am I the only one? No, y'all, y'all, y'all don't act like I'm the only one or I'm going to get mad, right? I mean, come on, y'all know. We've all been there. And so if that's true, then we, like Matthew, have to realize and go, you know what? That's different. That is worth giving my life to. And then the emptiness begins to dissipate. <laughs> all right, so... Very quickly, I want to just share this other thing. Uh, you look at Matthew, and you might think, well, that's just Matthew. You know, he's good. He's squared away. He's all set. No thing for Matthew to kind of pursue. But here's what you did not know about who Matthew was. Matthew is the writer of the gospel. And so we become familiar with who he was on the inside. And who he was on the inside was a man who quoted the Old Testament 99 times, according to John MacArthur, in his gospel. 99 times he quotes the Old Testament. In other words, the man sitting behind that desk and taking in taxes from people who thought he was lower than the low and that he had a, had a cold heart, if he even had a heart at all, he actually had a heart for God and for the Old Testament, but he'd made choices that had taken him away from those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's what I know. We've all made choices that have taken us away from God's best. We've all made choices that have put pieces or large chunks of emptiness into our life. So I don't judge you for that, if you promise, you won't judge me for that. Because we've all been there and we've all done that. So if that is true of the human condition, saint or sinner, it doesn't matter. If you have brought some emptiness into your life, I have good news. 
that just as Jesus walks by and says, won't you follow me? He says the same to you. He gives the same offer to you and to me today. Hey, why don't you follow me? I'll change it all for you. I really will. I can give you something that no one has ever given you before in your life. And by the way, that 99 times that, that Matthew quotes the Old Testament, that's more you might be thinking, cool story, bro. I don't know what that means. I mean, is that normal or what? No, no, that's not normal because actually Matthew quotes him 99 times from the Old Testament, and that's more than Mark, Luke, and John, the other three Gospels, combined. He had a heart for God, and yet he had invited emptiness in, and it had separated him from the one who brought meaning and fullness. Can I just tell you, if you find yourself in that place where you who knew better, have invited emptiness in. Man, leave that stuff behind and once again find the one who brings wholeness to us. Okay, so very quickly, I, I want to go and see what Matthew, we also learn from Matthew in this next one as well. We learn that our choices change us in unexpected ways. The truth of the matter is, is that we think we've got it figured out and I'll make this decision and this is what will be the consequence. But I'm telling you, you and I have all made decisions that we did not realize the width and the breadth of the depth of the consequences until it was already too late. Can I get an amen, right? We've done that. We thought we had it figured out, and then we didn't. Actually, the Old Testament tells us that we sow the wind and we reap the whirlwind. In other words, we sow a little bit of wind expecting that the little wind might give us some blowback, and instead we get a tornado coming back our way. That's the... New Texas translation, okay? And so we need to be very careful that we don't forget our choices change us in unexpected ways for good and for bad. We talk about the bad, but let's not forget that there are also very good things. Let's go to our next slide. Your choices can bring you change or they can bring you chains. We make the right choices. We call on Jesus to bring healing and redemption to the wrong choices we've made because we've all been there and we've all done it. We've all talked about it just a moment ago. But our choices can bring us change or it can bring us chains. We've got to be very careful that we choose wisely. Let's go to our next slide. And this is a something to learn bonus edition, all right? So that means I had more to share than I could fit on two slides. But here's something else that you can learn. How many of you have ever heard that long list of names? You know, James and John and Peter and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and James the son of Alphaeus and Simon Peter, Andrew, you know, all of these different names, the names of the disciples. There is a disciple in all of those lists whose name is Simon the Zealot or Simon Zelotes back in the King James Version. How many of you guys have ever heard of Simon the Zealot? Any of y'all? If you have, great. You might not know, but if you have not, let me explain who he is. You see, the zealots actually are something really important. They are people who were committed to not allowing the things going on in Rome and the taxes that they were charging and all of that. They were militarily against it. And I want to read again out of this book from the 12 Ordinary Men, and I want you to see how our choices bring change or chains. It says, Matthew, a former tax collector who was sometimes called Levi, is considered one of the most despicable people in Israel before Jesus calls him out. He'd taken a job with the Roman government to extort taxes from his own people. That tax money went to pay the Roman occupation army. The lesser known of the two Simons, the one that they call Simon the Zealot, and they were outlaw political party who took their hatred of Rome to an extreme and conspire uh, to an extreme and conspired to overthrow Roman rule one faction of the zealots was known as sicarii in other words literally men of daggers because of the small curved blades that they carried they concealed weapons beneath their robes used them to kill people they perceived as political enemies people like tax collectors so Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, and that, I mean, it's kind of a smile, and it's kind of, remember, it's infinite wisdom. In our infinite wisdom, we'd say, no way, you can have Matthew, 
And you can have Simon, but you can't have Matthew and Simon. You guys see what I'm saying? But Jesus said, no, no, I'll take them both. I'll take the one who loves to kill tax collectors, and I'll take the tax collector, and I'll change them so dramatically from the inside out that they'll be lifelong friends, and they will give their lives together for the cause of Christ, and that's how big of a change there will be. So when Matthew gets up and walks away from the tax collecting table, everything has changed. He's made a choice for change and left behind a choice for chains. You guys see what I'm saying? So for you and for me, I wish I could tell you different, but here is something that we all need to grasp. Every choice that we make brings us change or it brings us chains. We've gotta be very careful that we make the right choice and the right decision. All right, so very quickly, let's keep moving. This is a really important thing. After the resurrection in Acts chapter 1, when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. Even when Jesus ceased to be around, they were still hanging out together. That's how different these men's lives were changed by giving themselves to Jesus. If you guys got it, please say amen. Now, we can't even get Republicans and Democrats together in the same church these days. Sorry. Did I make you mad? <laughs> I mean, if it's about more, more about political party than it is about the grace that saves us, we've got our priorities wrong. I'm just saying. Now, I, I have political opinions, thoughts, and all that stuff, but all of that stuff takes a backseat to the thing that makes me full, and it sure ain't political parties, and it sure ain't elections. I thought I might get an amen on some of that. Maybe y'all love the political process. I'm done with it. I'm done with it, because it's always the same old thing with the same old people. No matter who's in charge, and no matter what's going on, it's about them, and we're the ones who have to deal with the fallout, and they figured out if they can keep us fighting amongst ourselves, then they skate free, and they get more money from us in the process. Yeah, I, I thought I'd get an amen. I did get an amen on that. All right. Y'all at home, y'all pray for me. I need help, okay? I got a bad attitude about politics and politicians. And if you're a politician watching, change your ways. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Sorry. This is really important very quickly, and I, I'm moving quicker here. John Milton said, the mind is its own place, and in itself, it can make a heaven out of hell and a hell out of heaven. Here's what I would share with you. Your mind, your heart can become enslaved and enchained without even really even you thinking about it. But be very careful that you don't make small choices, small choice after small choice after small choice that puts chains on you. Instead, be transformed in your mind by the decisions that you make that bring about change for God. Let's go to our next slide. And this is the third thing that we learned from Matthew that Christ cures empty if you let him. Christ cures empty, but you and I, we have to let him. We have to give him room in our life. We have to let him come in and realize that it's not just a little redecorating, it's a whole house renovation when he comes into our heart. For most of us, we're willing to give him a little bit of a little bit of freedom and say, just do a little redecorate and maybe paint a wall or two. And I think that's all that I really need. When the truth is, is that when he really comes in and he actually fixes the empty, changes us and renovates us from the inside out, that might cause some discomfort, but it shows up in fullness of life instead of emptiness. It's so important. And C.S. Lewis said this word uh, real quickly as we kind of bring this to a close. C.S. Lewis, uh, the next one if you don't mind. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And if you've ever felt there's got to be more than this, I'm here to tell you the good news is there is. And he walks by and he says, you follow me. And you make the decision whether or not you stop and put everything down 
and follow him or if you say, no, I'll ride this one out. I'll, I'll stay with what I got going. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes you can do that, but eventually the ache becomes too much. If you've gotten to that place, I encourage you, just decide and determine. When he says, follow me, follow. Here's the big question and how we apply it. What in your life is it that you need to leave behind, and then what have you not yet pursued that you need to pursue? In other words, those things that you've made the change, it's not just leaving these things behind, but it is also pursuing the right kinds of things. And it is so important and so vital that we don't just simply leave behind some things and fail to pursue. You know, Matthew could have walked away from his job and he probably would have stepped into obscurity. We've never known his name. But since he pursued God, we know him. And he made an indelible impact on human history with the things that he chose to do when he chose to follow Jesus. You guys see? And so, don't just leave something behind. Move towards those things which are ahead, as our last sermon series spoke about. And then here's how you apply it. You make a choice that you will make a change today. Make a choice. You know what? I've had enough. And then you make a change today. Don't just simply wait and don't hope that something gets better. I, I put a few things on the bottom, whether it's a challenge or a reading plan or a commitment that you've made or a call that you need to make or something that you need to say to someone. That's just a start. I could probably do five or 10 or 15 more, but that's not my job. My job is to encourage you to listen to the Holy Spirit as he tells you, what does it need to look like when you make a change in your life? Maybe there's somebody that you're on the outs with and you need to make a change. How dramatic would it be for you to say, you know what, I've done things wrong and I want to do them the right way. And you begin to change in front of their eyes and you keep walking that path. It can make a dramatic, dramatic difference. And here's the deal. You don't have to have all the answers, but you do have to humble yourself. You cannot say, I've got it all figured out and I am full without pushing away the one who can actually bring fullness. But if you will say, you know what? I'm so empty, I'm ready to leave this table and I'm ready to leave it all behind. If you will do that, the great news is, is that Jesus says that he will fill an empty vessel that is willing. And so if that is you, I encourage you, man, come back to the one who brings fullness. Let's check out this movie here very quickly. Oh, yeah. No, I heard what he said. I heard all too well what Jesus told that man, that, that thief that he was hanging next to. And you know what? It was drastically different than what he told me. You see, the day that I encountered Jesus, I dropped to my knees right in front of him. He had my respect from the start. You see, I wasn't looking for a handout, okay? I explained to him that I had done the hard work. I just needed to know, was there something that I was missing? Was there... Was there some good thing that I needed to do in order to inherit eternal life? And you know, sell all that you own. That's what Jesus told me. Sell it all and you'll have treasure in heaven. Yeah, right. You see, I was always taught that salvation is a reward for a life that is filled with good works. It is not a handout that you give to people that can't muster up, up that can't muster up enough character to earn it themselves. My wealth is a clear indication of the favor that rests upon me from God. I had asked about eternal life, and this, 
this disgusting shell of a man, he's the one that gets it? Jesus told him the day he died, he would be in paradise. This man couldn't bleed a drop of goodness that he hadn't borrowed. No, no, that he hadn't stolen from the righteous man that he's hanging next to. He was a thief and I'm the one that is treated like I've been robbing God all along. I offered to do what I needed to do. This man offered nothing. All he could do was ask for mercy. And, and that's how he got salvation. That's how he got eternal life. It was just, it was just given to him. Like, like it was a, a gift. Jesus, 
that and sends it away from us. I pray, Lord, that as we make changes in our lives that brings us closer to you, that as we follow you more closely than we've done before, that we would grasp and understand that we're walking away from chains and walking towards change. I pray, Lord, that that would be our mantra. That would be the thing that we choose to do, that we would walk towards the change and realize we are leaving behind nothing but chains that enslave us. And so please, Lord, just live within us, direct us, give us strength and power, and give us the courage to follow through. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, Amen.